Hello, Kryptonites. Welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Blockchain John, here with my co-host, Jake Jabrelli, Cryptolissa, and of course, we got our lurking special guest, Satoshi Nakamoto, hanging out to see what we're doing here at C3 Media, giving you the top 10, I guess, daily stats and the crypto news today. So let's get started. Let me uh, see what, what Lissa's doing. What's up, Lissa? I'm good. My cats are fighting in the background, so I'm trying Can't hear them. Oh. Can't hear this. I'm sure they're fighting. You can't hear them. Instead of giving them candies, give them Satoshi. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess things are changing within the the space. I I don't know. I'm not. I have nothing amazing to say other than what what we normally say at this time. But I, like I said, I'm trying to move away from the disclaimer, even though you know you try to pass to me the disclaimer. Hey, read the disclaimer. Well, we don't have a disclaimer because we're protected anyways. So, ha. Huh. <laughs> right, then let's go ahead and move over and get started with your top 10 daily stats provided by CoinGecko.com. Get a fresh, re, uh, fresh page here. And, of course, we got Bitcoin settling at $43,456.82 with a 7-day gain of 16.3%. Congratulations to everybody that held strong diamond hands Alright, market cap at $824 billion. And in second place, we have Ethereum settling at $2,904.89 with a 12% gain in the past seven days and a $348 billion market cap. And number three, we have Tether settling at $1, of course, with a seven day gain, 21%, and a market cap of $80 billion. Number four, we have BNB settling at $405.49 with a seven day gain of 10 and a market cap of $67 billion. And number five, we have USD coins settling at, of course, $1. Same like uh, other, at a uh, 0.1% slight gain in the past seven days. And a market cap of $53 billion. And number six, we have XRP settling at $0.76 cents with a seven-day gain of 9.4% and a market cap of $36 billion. And number seven, we have Terra settling at $93.62 with a OMG ah, seven day gain of 56.6% gain and a market cap of $34 billion. I think I just broke my microphone. Hello? Okay. Number eight, Solana settling at $98.62 with a seven day gain of 15.7% and a market cap of $31 billion. Cardano settling at 92 cents with a seven day gain of 6% and a market cap of 29 billion dollars. And number 10, we have Avalanche. All right, at 81 dollars and 89 cents with a seven day gain of 10.8% and a market cap of 20 billion dollars. All right, Crypto Nuts, that there is your top 10 daily stats of the day. And we have Big Five Runner and Poker Up Finance Steve. Doge. Yeah, Dogecoin, Shiba Inu, and Terra USD. There you go, Kryptonauts. What do we got? Um, What's the market cap? Market cap is at $1.99 trillion. At a slight 1.4% loss in the past 24 hours. Not bad. Overall, pretty dang 
the top right corner. If you look at this candidate here on CoinGecko, make sure you sign up for CoinGecko because you can get yourself some awesome free NFTs with discounts on products and services. Oh, look at this. This is a new thing that just came up. This was in here just a couple of days ago. CoinGecko Premium plus sub subscription and goodies giveaway. This is a giveaway. Be careful with the contest and the actual you know, NFTs. Like the last one I got was Candy Collector. That was a good one. Alright then, let's send it off to Jake once again. Rock, rock, rock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's appropriate, uh, and it's appropriate, now that we don't have a close disclaimer anymore, to talk about uh, our content. At this point, if you're still listening, we're grateful, because we haven't even gotten to the news yet. If you like what you've heard so far, like the top ten, what we've been doing there, we appreciate a like from you on the YouTube channel. Um, but you can also subscribe and hit the notification bell. We post every Wednesday and Sunday. Today is Wednesday. Uh, you can check us out on Discord, where Alyssa, John, and I, and several other members have been collecting C3 Media tokens on a daily basis. In fact, just today, as well as yesterday, we have raised the C3 Media token uh, ac accumulation level 500%. You can get 500% as much just for participating. If you don't want to do that, join us on or support us on Patreon or through various coins, those being Binance, Ethereum, Bitcoin, BAT, there's a bunch of Bs, and Ravencoin <laughs> to round it out. All the <laughs> information is in the description below. Oh, you said you said third. You said the first to the second. It's still the second. I didn't. So it ended like 6 p.m. yesterday. Oh, uh, it said saying. first through the second. It said what? It said March 3rd, 1st through March 2nd. Uh, okay. Exactly. Oh, we got chipped, John. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, you got an extra day. I think I know what you're doing. Because right. I noticed that, too. It did end early. I was like, that's weird. I was supposed to do that. I was supposed to end at noon. But that's okay. I'll give you guys an extra day. With that said, let's move on over to the CryptoPotato.com and let's have Alyssa. Which one do you want to take? Take Rochambeau or you want to take this? I'll take it. It's fine. Since you two do all the beginning stuff. So, Ukraine confirms airdrop after receiving over 30 million worth of crypto donations. And this is written by Dimitar Zonsarov. The government of Ukraine announced it will airdrop cryptocurrencies donated to the nation's official wallet. Companies, non-governmental organizations, and individuals have already contributed over 30 million worth of digital assets to the country amid its ongoing war with Russia. A few days after the launch of Russia's special military operation, Ukraine started accepting cryptocurrencies as a means of donations. Yesterday, March 1st, Polkadot's founder, Gavin Wood, placed his name among the contributors by donating over 5 million worth of DOT. The authorities said they are forever grateful to him, hinting at a possible airdrop in the near future. Today, March 2nd, Ukraine's ruling body 
assured that such a distribution will occur on March 3rd. It also informed that Mykahilo Fedorov, Vice Prime Minister of the Nation, will give more details about the initiative. And here's a tweet from March 1st, um, the official Ukraine that says, the people of Ukraine fighting for our freedom are forever grateful to Gavin Woods uh, at Gav Gavo York for the generous donation of $5 million of polka dot as promised publicly. Thank you from all of us here in Ukraine working for a peaceful future. And then I reply that said airdrop confirmed snapshot will be taken tomorrow on March 3rd at 6 p.m. Uh, Kiev time UTC uh, or GMT plus two hours. Reward to follow. Follow subsequent news for Ukraine's crypto donation campaign. And that's the end of that tweet. A crypto airdrop is an event where an organization releases free tokens to members of its community, usually for promotional purposes. The move is intended to encourage, encourage the adoption of those assets. This is not the first time a country has conducted an airdrop for its citizens. Last summer, the government of El Salvador distributed $30 worth of Bitcoin to each adult who signed up for the program as, a nation, as the nation was preparing to embrace the primary digital asset as legal tender. Nonetheless, Ukraine's endeavor will mark the first time a country launches an airdrop uh, amassed by cryptocurrency donations. Given that the authorities have been accepting contributions in Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polkadot, and it remains unclear what assets will be distributed. Over the last couple of days, Ukraine has gathered solid support from organizations and individuals part of the crypto space. Binance, for one, donated $10 million, of, or $10 million to the country. However, the world's largest digital asset exchange said it will not stop servicing Russian accounts. The company argued that crypto is meant to provide greater financial freedom and such an initiative would oppose its principles. It is worth noting that many anonymous individuals also donated large amounts of crypto assets to Ukraine. One such mysterious contributor sent 80 BTC to come back alive, a charity organization supporting the Ukrainian army with equipment. At the time of donation, it equaled more than $3 million. Didn't do it, but I don't think we should be donating. I mean, this is my opinion, but I don't think that crypto alone will save Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. I think Vital Computer hinted at that on day one when this whole donation thing came out. Basically, exactly that. The problem is not money, the problem is never money. 
In fact, if Ukraine was as wealthy as Russia, they'd also have to be as tactful as Russia. So it's like if they had a trillion dollars, effectively, or all the Bitcoin that existed, that wouldn't save them unless somebody decided to act to save them. Like, literally, if the U.S. went in there and said, Russia, you need to stop, Russia would stop. <laughs> We'd also start a world war, but... Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they're using the money for, which I don't really know, and that's what I'm trying to get back at. Like, have you guys heard anything? But let's say, for example, they're going to use it for the, the the better the betterment of the nation or its uh, or its people. Yeah. Um, is it a good thing or a bad thing? People need to eat, but the problem is right now, a good chunk of Ukraine is getting destroyed by Russian missiles. So um, it's terror. I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm not sure anyone's going to easily be able to farm and deliver foods and you know necessities in ukraine and i think this is the purpose that of this is literally putin's purpose he he wants a buffer zone between himself or his country and nato countries i'm going to say something really bold and probably offend a lot of people on this but instead of doing an airdrop of cryptos how about an airdrop of guns and have <laughs> its citizens defend themselves which they're doing pretty dang good job citizens actually are rising up are armed to the teeth and are fighting back so i'll give them that thumbs up keep doing what you're doing uh protect your home regardless whoever's on the right or the wrong anybody that's coming into your home and trying to you know cause harm to you your children or just a way of living and you're you're pretty much there and this is your neighborhood you're being attacked defend yourself please Ukraine, Ukraine, I mean, it's entirely separate from our discussion. The problem is, in my opinion, uh, is I don't even know how to put it because there's so much more depth to what's going on here than we can even talk about with crypto. But if, as far as it pertains to crypto, I don't think that just giving money to Ukraine is going to solve the problem. It's nice. It's a great gesture. It shows support. But th is it going to fix the problem? I don't think it's going to fix the problem. Like I said, uh, the best example I can say is and, and it, it's not explicitly the same problem, but you can have hundreds of millions of dollars in the U.S. bid for the presidency. And if the people don't vote for you, you don't get elected. Same thing goes here. You could have hundreds of billions of dollars donated to Ukraine. And if you cannot defend yourself, like, I don't know how much all the weapons cost, but I, I'm pretty sure $13 million isn't enough probably couldn't even buy hardly anything. I think that the U.S. government's probably donated more money in guns and you know, other such weapons to the Ukraine than any amount of Bitcoin. But, right. Right. The problem is not guns and tanks and helicopters. It's enough people to pilot them all. You, it, to win a war, you need to have the skill and the, the force and the ingenuity, which the U.S. does have. And I think combined, the uh, you know, Europe does. But 
Ukraine does not. And it's glaringly obvious. Well, like I said, as far as it goes with crypto, it's just a pittance. It's it's a gesture of goodwill. Yeah. It's not going to fix the problem. Galgado. ecosystem will be powered by its own native crypto token ASW. This token can be freely exchanged for other tokens in the DEX, and transactions with it will be free of fees. In a statement, the iAngels team said they invested in Adaswap because they believe DeFi will bring financial freedom and democratization to the masses. Meanwhile, producer Gadot and Roxano called their investment an exciting opportunity in the crypto space. Quote, This is one of our first and greatest accomplishments towards building a new financial ecosystem that will have a great impact on our world. The ADASWAP co-founder, uh, Itay LeBay, finished it. The ADASWAP team is really excited to move forward with our products backed by the best investors from both technical and commercial backgrounds. ADASWAP does not actually have a price listed on price trackers like CoinMarketCap and Gecko. ADA, however, the native cryptocurrency of Bagradano is the ninth largest crypto right now and has a $30 billion market cap. Bagradano uh, launched smart contracts on the platform in September, though ADA's price hasn't performed well since their activation. They greatly expanded the capabilities of Cardano and allow for DeFi applications like those that Adaswap provides. In fact, IOHK has been partnered with Chainlink for months, allowing for Oracle data to be integrated into Cardano's smart contract system. Quiet, or was it buzzing? It 
was, it sounded like your microphone was possessed by a demon. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Amid escalating geopolitical tension, CEO, uh, Circle CEO says crypto is double-edged sword. Ooh. What, did he read the Bible or something? The Russia-Ukraine crisis is far from cooling down anytime soon. In, in the thick of the ongoing chaos, the CEO and founder of the digital cryptocurrency company Circle, Jeremy Allier, asserted that the crypto is a double-edged sword. The cryptocurrency market is rallying in the face of a growing geopolitical crisis. In addition to increasing acceptance, the Ukraine crisis is yet another driver that has highlighted how Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies can act as a crucial mechanism to raise funds when traditional routes are cut off. Roots if you're in the UK. According to the latest report by Bloomberg, Allaire and Allaire said Russia Rather, Blair said Russia's attack on Ukraine demonstrates the paradox of cryptocurrencies for both participants as well as regulators. On one hand, as Russian forces invade the Ukraine front lines, several vehicles have been formed to raise funds to purchase food, clothing, medicine, evacuation, and repairs for the general masses by accepting cryptocurrencies. On the other hand, there's a possibility that Russian individuals and companies may try to use digital assets to dodge financial sanctions imposed by Western countries. On that note, the Circle exec stated, quote, people are celebrating that, but it also it allows, pardon me, it also allows people to evade things. The open internet is a double-edged sword, and that's the case with crypto, end quote. Calls to freeze all Russian users' blockchain addresses have intensified in tandem with the ongoing crisis. But in actuality, Allaire says, uh, said that the platforms do not have all the information despite being able to track, quote, high risk, end quote, activities identified on exchanges and flag suspicious activity to regulators, the exact stated. Quote, we don't necessarily know just like the U.S. doesn't know, if piles of cash are being used by Russian oligarchs. So you don't know, quote, quote. That's very cyclical. In a bid to destabilize and cut the financial connection to the Western economies, NATO and EU imposed several sanctions. As a result, Bitcoin trading volumes against the ruble climbed the highest level since May 2021, as revealed by the cryptocurrency market data provider Kaiko. Many industry experts think that this financial insecurity may trigger more cryptocurrency adoption in the region, due to uh, which uh, Mikhailo uh, Fedorov, the vice prime minister of Ukraine, urged several platforms to restrict all Russian users' blockchain addresses and back Ukraine's defense. But so far, apart from Hong Kong-based blockchain gaming and NFT unicorn Animoca brand, none of the venues have responded in affirmation. Finance, following Kraken's lawsuit, uh, suit rather, revealed that it is it will not terminate its services to Russian users. However, the exchange promised to restrict its services to those individuals of the region that have had sanctions levied against them while minimizing the impact to innocent users. This is, I think, it's, go ahead. Oh, a double-edged sword, right. There's two edges, there's two blades on either side, right? So you can cut both ways. 
Um, yeah, it's it's annoying that uh, we can't block people, but it's at the same time this is what the free market gets us. A truly free market gets us. Oh, so it's like well, it's the same thing. I, I'm going to liken it to the, the way the U.S. deals with freedom of speech. You are allowed to be an asshole in public. Now, should you be an asshole? As a, that's a judgment call. Um, but we we do allow people to, to voice their opinions if they're different from what the status quo is. So it's like we might not ever have innovation if people didn't challenge the status quo. We might even have uh, people silencing people who have legitimate reasons to speak if we just silenced everyone the way that Putin does in Russia. You know, how many people have been arrested? I don't know if it's going to say in our news today, but I heard 6,000 people have been arrested because Putin doesn't like people challenging him. In this country, we have two different, well, two major parties who constantly rag on each other and, and, and rip each other down. And yes, it's frustrating, but we have freedom of speech. We're allowed to do that. We're allowed to be assholes to each other. Um, it might be annoying, but it's the whole premise of our country. So, um, I don't, I, I think they, they said something like, if you threaten the president, that's going too far. And at that point, you're not, you're no longer being patriotic. Um, so there are some restrictions, but there are only restrictions so far as, you know, looking at what's realistic and what's, you know, harmful to the betterment of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Um, so as far as, Crypto, you know, benefiting Russians while um, also benefiting uh, Ukrainians. That's the way your crypto works. Um, fortunately, we have that option. Uh, it, it, I find it interesting that crypto came from the very country, in my opinion, if it started in the, in the U.S., who um, invented the concept of freedom of speech. It's just freedom of money. Like if you want to see what's going on on the ground in Ukraine, you're not necessarily going to see it on CNN. You might have to go to odyssey.com. Oh. Oh, that's all you got to say about that. Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve Chairman says Russia-Ukraine conflict highlights need for crypto regulation written by Andrew Zorovales. Jerome Powell, Chairman of the Federal Reserve, recently testified in front of the House Financial Services Committee on the state of the economy and future monetary policy. Given the various sanctions placed on Russia during its conflict with Ukraine, he says the conflict, quote, underscores, end quote, the need for crypto regulation that he's advocated for months. Following his testimony on Wednesday, Powell was asked whether Russia could potentially use cryptocurrencies to bypass the slew of sanctions recently placed on the nation. Following its announcement of, quote, special military operations, end quote, in Ukraine, Western nations have taken major measures to damage Russia's economy through a trade war. These include, quote, export blocks on tech, yeah, export blocks on technology, end quote, from 
the U.S. to Russia alongside a massive cutoff of Russian banks from SWIFT. The Ukraine-Russia conflict underscored the need for congressional actions on digital finance, including cryptocurrencies, Powell responded. Quote, we have this burgeoning burgeoning industry which has many parts to it and there isn't in place the kind of regulatory framework that's to be there in quotes since cryptocurrencies like bitcoin allow for peer-to-peer cross-border transactions they are difficult for governments to enforce trade restrictions on Western allies are already raising concerns over how Russians may take advantage of them during the conflict, including European Central Bank President Christine uh, Lagarde. Lagarde. Powell also mentioned how crypto could be exploited by nefarious actors like terrorists, further underscoring the need for adequate regulation. Though he has no intention to ban cryptocurrencies like China, he and lawmakers have long acknowledged the money laundering risk presented by digital assets, especially stablecoins. Regulators effectively have one major choke point to block or hinder crypto transactions exchanges to better enforce sanctions ukraine officials have called on crypto exchanges to blacklist russian addresses in order to sabotage ordinary users however some exchange exchanges like kraken and binance are not on board citing the libertarian values that cryptocurrencies are supposed to represent Hillary Clinton, former First Lady and U.S. presidential candidate, expressed displeasure with their decision, showing dismissiveness for of their philosophy. She wishes that all part <laughs> she wishes that all parties would do as much as possible to damage Russia's economy at this time. That said, Cryptocurrencies are proving beneficial to Ukrainians as well, with tens of millions of dollars being sent to the country through Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other assets. Okay, so I'm going to applaud Kraken and Binance for just keeping their foot firm to the ground. I hope that they don't get bullied by by Mr. Powell. I'm sure Mr. Powell is doing his job and supposed to do what he has to do. But uh, in this case, keep in mind that Russia, Russian citizens, friends, families, neighbors, workers, people that have no intention to be affiliated with this war are also affected by its actions. Husbands, wives, children, school kids are affected by this in Russia. Okay, it's both, it goes both ways. Sanctions are not just stopping people, or stopping uh, Putin. It's stopping everybody in Russia. Sanctions, okay? This, so when Kraken and Binance says, no, we're here to help the people. 
you know, we're gonna we're gonna do our part to help people. Yes, I, we, obviously there are gonna be some addresses blacklisted. I'm sure they're going to acknowledge that. There's gonna be some terrorist addresses out there, which uh, I'm sure that they are for that. But I hope the next step that they, that I know Binance is doing this. I haven't heard anything about Kraken doing this, uh, creating a a excuse me a pure dex. Binance obviously does have that dex, but uh, I don't know if Kraken does. And I don't think they ever will or technically considered in an umbrella of Kraken since they're trying to be a regulated bank within the states. And having something like a DEX, I think, under Kraken would look kind of bad uh, for investors. Anyways, I'm going on side tangent. Uh, but yeah, any, uh, anything else on that? Oh, Can you hear me okay? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. I did make sure my voice didn't come through as a robot again. <laughs> Um, yeah, exactly. Well, it, 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 per your comment on on exchanges and their, I think it's okay. You know, Coinbase has its own uh, has has its own wallet that's separate from its own, you know, from Coinbase itself. It, it's okay, in my opinion, if somebody supports a Dex, a Kraken, or Binance have their own Dex. Um, but I don't know if it's if it's better or worse that someone creates something that's separate from themselves and says, oh. You know, we run this DEX, but we don't, you know, it's not centralized. It's just a decentralized exchange. That's the whole thing. It could have the name of that company. It doesn't necessarily mean it's, it, you know, it's it's supported by them, but not necessarily run by them. I don't know if that's even possible to do. But. Well, that's kind of what Binance is doing with the smart contract feature. You know how they have the BSC, Binance uh, Smart Chain. They uh, right. have officially detached from that and said, hey, we funded it, but they don't want Binance Smart Chain attached to Binance. I mean, I guess it maybe if you let you could give it to a DAO, let's say you called Kraken DAO or something, and then they had a DEX based on that DAO, it could have the name of that. Now, for me, for me, it's it's name recognition of all. Technically, a DEX is independent and should have no you know explicit affiliation, but maybe people want to use a DEX over something else. But the fact of the matter is, a DEX is just a place to associate your you know private wallet with in order to trade with other people's private wallets. I mean, I, I guess I should say I appreciate the concept of DEXs in the sense of contrast to like Hotbit, where Hotbit does a lot of fake trading just to make it look like something's going on. Um, so you're like, oh, look, look at all this trade over here. Well, it's not really a real trade. It's all bot based. You know, it's not people trading between people. So. interject themselves instantaneously like Jerome Powell is like boom this is going on right now we need to figure out uh, uh, what to do um, John yeah. can you hear me can you guys hear me alright sorry I wasn't trying to talk over you I just <laughs> it just lost appeared suddenly so I don't know if it was me or you. Okay. So, like, like I was saying, it sounds like Jerome Powell is trying to uh, do his best to front run as much as possible to, to, to create some type of regulation. Like, I don't know if it's a global regulation that he's trying to do. I, 
I, I don't understand this. I think we need more information on what Jerome Powell is trying to do here. I can just tell you, yeah, okay. no, no problem. Mike Novogratz, yes, Mike Novogratz, Russian-Ukraine war will boost crypto adoption and dollar marginalization, which is all what we're all in favor of, I think, here. Thank you, Mike Novogratz, for putting us out. By Arun Sivatov. Keep butchering this guy's poor poor name. Srivastav. Mike Novogratz, CEO of digital assets company Galaxy Investment Partners, predicted that Russia-Ukraine war will boost crypto adoption and lead to the marginalization of the dollar. Quote, this is a big deal in a lot of ways. This is start starting to the acceleration of de-dollarization of the world, end quote, he commented. Billionaire American investment banker made it clear in a tweet on February 25th he stood with Ukraine in this war. Pardon me, with Ukraine in this war. I'm sorry, it's a weird thing. For some reason, a long time uh, American media has called Ukraine the Ukraine. <laughs> and I'm just used to doing that. He, is, he also shared a picture of uh, Kiev Mayor uh, Vitaly Klitschko saying, quote, I pity the Russian that runs into Klitschko. <laughs> End quote. Bitcoin prices witnessed a sudden spike going well past $44,000 and below 40000 level in a matter of two days. Novogratz's forecast of the dollar importance to progressively decline a vis-a-vis -vis Bitcoin and other digital assets after the war sounds true for the ruble, which saw its value fall by 25% in a day. According to a Bloomberg report, Novogratz believes the war might, quote, push more regular people toward crypto, end quote. But similar to Ripple CEO Brad Gerlinghouse, he doesn't think that Bitcoin is going to be used as a workaround against the hefty sanctions that the Western world imposed on Russia. It may simply be the case of people reaching out to a cryptocurrency that works even amidst a war, Novogratz noted that sudden uptick in Bitcoin ruble and Bitcoin hryvnia uh, trading volumes as an example of how decentralized currency can offer refuge when access to traditional banking breaks down, per Tonga. Quote, this sends a, this sends a message. I want to have my money li that lives outside of traditional power. That's why Bitcoin was created, because people don't trust governments, end quote. Bloomberg quoted Novogratz as saying. Interestingly, Novogratz seems to suggest China would reduce its reliance on the U.S. dollar as it aims to annex Taiwan. Quote, I'll tell you one thing, you're going to sell your reserves before you invade Taiwan, end quote, he added. Michael Novogratz has been a longtime Bitcoin bull. In December last year, he told during a CNBC interview that Bitcoin's volatility will gradually decline and it will become a more stable digital currency. His company, Galaxy Digital, forayed into the Bitcoin mining business by offering financial services to miners in January last year. In March 2020, when Bitcoin was trading at $3,500, he predicted that the cryptocurrency will spike to $20,000 by the end of 2020. Bitcoin outperformed his forecast and closed the year at just under 30000 
he's he's making some good points. Things I I I, I agree with. That uh, this is going to push. Um, but, well, it's it's a hard transition no matter what. It's you know people are clinging to what they know, and they fear what they don't understand. And this is this is normal. It's not weird. Um, people I find, unlike us who are not billionaires, um, and the rest of the people who are not billionaires, do find it a little challenging to go in, to move into crypto when you have bills to pay when people don't necessarily accept Bitcoin as a payment method. Um, I think that the U.S. would greatly benefit, but it would also be the, the almost like signing the the uh, death certificate of the dollar for the U.S. to go and say Bitcoin is official currency. Um, and I think that's the reason the U.S. is avoiding it. Um, they're kind of like, eh, we don't really want that, but... You know, we live in that country. So all, all these other countries have been using the U.S. dollar for a very long time because the U.S. dollar back in the 70s when Nixon signed, uh, you know, took us off the, the gold standard and said, uh, actually, it was actually, I think it was before the 70s. It was, it was, it was, it was worth. Well, I want to take a step further back first. Um, one, and I don't remember if it was the accords that we made after World War II or, or some sometime in there. We basically said U.S. dollar will become the de facto standard for all cur currency in the world. Everything will be against the dollar. And that's the reason everything still is against the dollar. But at, and like I say, maybe get my facts right. I wasn't alive at that. This is the only history I've read about. Um, but the point I'm trying to make about the, the gold standard is that Nixon... The president at the time of the United States took the U.S. off the gold standard. This was a decision, not just he made the whole, the whole you know, cabinet, the country, uh, the U.N. We all decided no more gold standard. We can't do this anymore. Uh, we, we can't, you know, we need more money. Basically, we need more dollar bills printed so we can fight this war. That I'm not going to go into my opinion of the Vietnam War, but um, the uh, they needed more money. They needed. They took this off the gold standard at that time, back in the seventies, late early seventies, like seven. I think it was seventy-two. Um, and so, yes, we've been off the gold standard for fifty years, 
and um, but I'm also trying to make a point that the U.S. dollar has been the, the world standard. I mean, yes, there are other fiats. There is definitely the Russian ruble. There is definitely the euro, and some of those things are more you know stronger than the, than the dollar. You know, the British pound is quite a bit stronger, um, but you know it's it, it's Bitcoin is a universal currency which does more than just be currency but it is a universal thing people can access as long as you've got a computer you can do bitcoin in fact you don't even need a big computer to do bitcoin you can do it on paper you just have to eventually get it back to the, the, the blockchain <laughs> European Union you the devil Speak of the devil, European Union is no longer banning Bitcoin and other POW-based assets. Go European Union. That's for, for Alyssa to read. Services regulators, oh, 
<laughs> Let's see if I can. Fina. Finanis. Help! <laughs> Man, that's a long word. Fin. Fin. Those German words. <laughs> Finanisinspectantinonin. So I'm going to go on the offensive with this BS because I, I, yeah, it's POW versus POS, and and the because Bitcoin and other coins that are POW um, proof of work to be explicit have caught the attention of so many people. Uh, there seems to be this. question of whether or not it is appropriate to like well you know we're only making coins here and we're only supporting this like look if the US dollar depended on proof of work you wouldn't be pissed about it you know so I'm, I'm obviously this is it's, it's not the perfect analogy I think the, the, the problem I keep running into is when I was in electric cars I'm using an analogy electric cars people are like Oh, electric cars, those, if you live in like uh, Ohio in the United States or, or Illinois, uh, your electric car runs on coal. You're, you're just as bad as gas cars. You know, far from it. It is a confusion of the belief that somehow gas cars are less damaging than electric cars are. Hmm. Where do you think all that gasoline comes from? Gotta be fine somewhere. And it, then you gotta burn it still. To make your car go. Um, I will say I still do drive an internal combustion engine vehicle, but the point I'm trying to make is that people conf conflate uh, the distinction between proof of work and proof of stake as being so much better just because uh, they're they're only hyper focused on this one thing, and that's the reason I'm using the analogy of, of electric cars versus gas cars. It's like if you just hyper-focus on the fact that electric cars use electricity, then you completely miss the fact of all the other industries that you also use electricity. We're not banning all of them. We're not banning um, the manufacture of every other thing that we don't necessarily need. Why don't we ban the sex industry? They use electricity. So what I'm saying is it's not an apples-to-apples -apples argument. And so when people are like, oh, as I say, it's so much like... No, I, you're missing the point. The point is... Proof of work is safer than proof of stake. Proof of stake, a person can come in and buy all the coin up and then they have voting rights and it's no longer decentralized. Proof of work, it's nearly impossible to do that. That's the reason it is important to spend the electricity and use the hardware to make uh, proof of work a definitive thing. Once Ethereum goes entirely to proof of stake, someone can take over the entire network because the entire value of all of Ethereum is equivalent to less than the entire value of Elon Musk. So Elon Musk, if he wanted to, could take over Ethereum. Kind of did it with Doge. 
But the point is, without proof of work, there is no true decentralization. Now, is it possible, like it was when when China still was doing Bitcoin mining, that Bitcoin uh, could be owned mostly by China? It was owned mostly by China, but it wasn't owned by one person or one group in China. It was owned by the fact that 70% of Bitcoin operations mining in China were just in China. All 70% of Bitcoin was mined in China. But was it all owned by one person? No. Was it all owned by one country or one by one uh, province? No. Was it owned by one company? No. It was hundreds and hundreds of, of Chinese people mining Bitcoin. Still, yes, it was all in China. Did that mean that China owned it? No. So the importance of proof of work is not in the energy used. And that is the thing that people, if we're going to talk about how crypto works, that is the important thing here. So the Europe's concerned, they, they're missing the point. And like I said, that was the reason I used the analogy I did. But of course, without understanding comes confusion. And that is the ideal of people who are just trying to push their, their agenda over reality, which is what I think is called gaslighting. <laughs> There's my five Satoshis. Alyssa, would you like to take the Binance returns to, oh no, wait, that was, that's just an announcement. We don't even we're gonna read that one. Um, blockchain gaming giant. Yeah. Um, sure, I can take that one. for me. I have it up. Okay, there we go. Blockchain gaming giant Animoca to halt servicing Russian customers by George uh, Georgiev. Animoca Brands, one of the leading blockchain gaming companies, is reportedly planning to cut ties with Russian customers as a response to the country's invasion of Ukraine. Animoca Brands is undoubtedly one of the biggest players in the GameFi industry, participating in majority of projects in the field. In a press release from Bloomberg News, the company revealed that it's cutting its service to Russian customers. Somewhat expectedly, the move comes in response to the invasion of Ukraine. Be in the matter was Yacht Su, co-founder at Animoca, who said the legal advice we've been receiving is now is we now have to impose some restrictions. It's a sanctioned country on par with North Korea. The moment we end up doing business in those areas, we might ourselves become financially excluded from the financial system. The company will stop selling shares to any Russian investors in addition to blocking Russian users. The decision will also affect subsidiaries including Limpo and Gamey. However, the co-founder said that the number of Russian users isn't that isn't that large enough to have a substantial impact on the results of the company. It was a really weird English thing. I think it was isn't large enough. I may have stopped mid-sentence and started writing again. I've done that before, so. Um, yeah, it, I think a good analogy to this is in talking about Germany and Russia. 
Germany gets a lot of its natural gas from Russia, oh, probably most of it. I, I heard uh, it could be as much as 70%. And Germany relies heavily currently on uh, natural gas for heating its homes. Now, obviously, we're moving toward the summer. They may not need to use natural gas quite as much, but they still need it to heat their water, right, uh, for, for hot, whatever they need hot water for. Um, in any case, can Germany afford right now to cut off buying natural gas from Russia? No, they can't. What are they going to do? <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to even say it, what what is the result, right? Well, with Anamoka's brands cutting off the Russian, they basically said, well, if we cut off Russian investors and Russian users, are we going to die? No, it's going to hurt, but we can't, but we can survive. Uh, it's not a huge amount of people that we're, we're cutting off, but at the same time, it's like, um, I think Putin's gambit in this situation was, well, if I attack, you know, there, the sanctions, of course, there's going to be some sanctions, but he wasn't coming anywhere close to the expectation of the kind of sanctions that he met with. And I think that's the reason a lot of people are describing Putin as going a little crazy right now. Um, the, uh, it, it, the sanctions are much worse than he thought. And of course, can he survive? Yeah, he probably can. But at this point, is it going to, it, you know, what's the, what's the outcome of this? Um, and I think the U.S. and, and the Western countries, you know, Western European countries and NATO were, were hoping that these heavy sanctions were really going to hurt. Um, and it looks like they really are hurting. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's hurting the Russian people, I would say, more than it's hurting Putin personally. So it's what can you how can you live without this thing that you previously knew and I think I think the best example was uh, not that any one person had interviewed a Russian oligarch but when the Russian oligarchs had realized that they were not only having their funds cut off but their boats were getting captured um, they're just like ah oh, we we didn't expect uh, you know after nearly two uh, no three almost three generations of mostly peacetime in Russia if you're a person who's experienced pretty much, you know, if you're the grandson of a Russian oligarch who's been you know, living it up under, um, uh, you know, billionaire lifestyles, having all that stuff taken away is going to hurt compared, you know, you have to actually live like a normal person or worse. Zandarov, change of heart, Ken Griffin admits he was wrong. Oh my god, he admitted it wrong. The founder and CEO of Citadel LLC, Ken Griffin, has been among the biggest critics of the cryptocurrency industry in the past few years. However, his most recent appearance, he admitted being wrong about the asset class and that now he sees its merits. Okay, sounds like uh, somebody missed, missed the boat to say that the digital asset sector has formed two opposite teams, industry supporters and critics. The American billionaire, Ken Griffith, has been part of the second club, as he believed that Bitcoin and the altcoins could harm the American dollar, and he's right, 
At one point, he even said it's it's a jihadist call, and some would choose Bitcoin over the U.S. national currency. In a recent interview for Bloomberg, though uh, Citadel's executive made a U-turn, he noted that crypto has been one of the greatest stories in finance over the course of the last two years. Uh, the crypto market capitalization of the asset class is almost two trillion dollars. Been over two trillion before. As such, Griffin admitted not being right on this call. His he further predicted that many businesses will open their arms to the cryptocurrency universe in the months to come, yeah, especially those in Ukraine and Russia. <laughs> Despite have, still having doubts about the industry, though, uh, Griffin said his company is looking for a way a way in, rather. I still have my skepticism, this is a quote. But there are hundreds of millions of people in this world today who disagree with that. To the extent that we're trying to help institutions and investors solve their portfolio allocation problems, we have to give serious consideration to being a market maker in crypto. Yes, that's true. Bitcoin is huge right now for, um, I can't think of the name of the, of the groups that basically depend upon it. Um, Oh, what are they called? Well, you know, the major investment groups. American uh, started softening his harsh stance on digital asset sector in November 2021. Back then, he forecasted, forecasted that Ethereum could become the most dominant cryptocurrency project. I think he's wrong, but anyways. Nevertheless, he argued that Bitcoin is too harmful to the environment. <laughs> Has low transaction speed. Oh, he's right about that and is vulnerable to fraud. No, I don't think it is, but you know, he's learning. Kevin O'Leary is among those who bashed the digital asset space, but is currently part of the ecosystem. In 2019, the TV host labeled Bitcoin as useless currency and garbage. However, in 2021, he changed his stance, saying he respects the asset shortly after he turned into a Bitcoin hodler, allocating 3% of his portfolio. The notorious former stockbroker known as the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, is another individual part of that club. While in 2018 he predicted that Bitcoin is, quote, going away, <laughs> in 2021 he praised the merits of the primary cryptocurrency and envisioned a price of $100,000 by the end of the year. Sure, yeah, that would be nice, but it's not happening yet. Um, in any case, this, uh, I kind of feel like it's nice to see it, but I think this could have been said in a tweet. Purple <laughs> CEO. Uh, nature, which is not 
Ripple's CEO and co-founder Brad Garlinghouse recently turned to his Twitter page to explain why Russia cannot use Twitter to pay for sanctions. Backing earlier comments made by the com company's general manager, Ashish Birla, on Monday, Garlinghouse noted that crypto trading platforms work together with several banking partners that risk losing their licenses if a blacklisted individual bypasses every security measure put in place. And he's probably from Brad Garlinghouse. If you want to read that now, um, I continue to see uh, asinine uh, arguments from uniform pundits on how crypto works. I want to reiterate what Ash Astro Blue said yesterday. There are factual reasons why crypto can't be used on the broad scale with Russia to evade sanctions. rely on banking partners who could lose their licenses if someone on the OMAC list is able to slip through. Extremely stringent KYC slash AML policies are in place to avoid precisely this. Exactly. I wish all these other articles mentioned that, but they didn't really bring that up. Finally, Brad Garlinghouse, the guy that uh, says it right here. Breaking news. Alright, uh, according to Garlinghouse, it was to prevent such incidents that cryptocurrency exchanges established several stringent measures, including strict, uh, strict know-your-customers and anti-money laundering policies. He further added, quote, RippleNet, for example, has always been and remains today committed to not working with sanctioned banks or countries that are restricted counterparties. Ripple and other customers support and enforce OMAC laws and KYC slash AMM. Garlinghouse pointed out that the argument that crypto is favored by criminals to launder the funds, uh, to launder funds, is both outdated and tired. Instead of listening to responsible players who have been clear, uh, they will abide by legal sanctions. Some pundits and media insist on continuing to paint crypto as the Silk Road, <coughs> both uh, an exceptionally outdated and tired argument, which simply doesn't hold true today. He concluded. Just yesterday, the former, uh, former U.S. president candidate Hillary Clinton criticized crypto exchanges for their refusal to stop servicing Russian-based users, saying that she is, quote, disappointed. Uh, there, thank you, Carlin House. Senor, muchas gracias. I appreciate that because that, I, I guess it had to be said. So, yes. I don't think it was about whether or not it would be said in a tweet. It's just that some some things could be so simply said they could just be tweeted, and that was all the news that needed to be read. Two 
you got to go to the clearinghouse or submit you to a bank. Well, the bank also has their own KYC and AML, but it's just intricate and there's hoops and hoops and hoops and hoops that oh. it's not going to work. Just stop. Uh, if, you're, if you're trying to get your money out into a fiat format, then you're screwed. Now, if you can use Bitcoin to pay other people in Bitcoin, then you're probably okay. Now, uh, currently in 2022, do you think we're, we're in a very highly active situation where we can easily trade, I guess, uh, crypto for services in a place like Russia or Ukraine? Like, I, I think that, well, to put it this way, the CIPS... Uh, which is the alternative to SWIFT, which we talked about not yet, I think it was last week. Um, but the way that Russia and China have been getting around SWIFT is building their own version of it. And Putin has been trying to get over to CIPS since he invaded uh, Crimea because he knew that eventually he was going to try to take over all of Ukraine and that whole point was to get off of SWIFT. So he moved Russia off of SWIFT. Now, does that mean everybody was off of it? No, but most of the ones that were important to him were off of it. So at that point, he's like, yeah, I don't really need Swift anymore. Um, but does that mean that CIPS works, you know, with crypto? Eh, maybe. But yeah, your, your, your question is most direct. Can people tr trade Satoshis like through Lightning or Bitcoin explicitly to other people and have them accept the value of that thing as valid fiat like they do in El Salvador? I don't know. Good question. I think, um, <clears throat> I think when it comes to just the general people that are doing the crypto to crypto exchange would literally be the same like here in the States. Like me, my, my like it's like me going to my neighbor saying, hey neighbor, uh, can I have some bread? Because I got peanut butter and jelly but I have no bread. As of right now, I'm very dang sure my, my neighbor, first of all, will, will most likely not answer the door. And if my neighbor did, at this time, at night, um, and, and that's just going to sound crazy. Like, I have some potential, I like to buy some bread off. No, absolutely not. And I think that's currently uh, transmitted to around the world. Uh, very few places, like uh, El Salvador, for example, um, has no choice but to accept. Yeah. yeah, that's the same thing I've asked people in the past. If you, if you had like a few flakes of gold or even a gold nugget, could you take it to the grocery store and buy yourself a bag of groceries? No, they would not accept it. Now, could you take it to a corner store? Yeah, maybe. You know, a person who individually owns their store, they might accept a gold nugget. Now, of course, gold nuggets would be worth several thousand dollars, not just, you know, the, the $20 you needed to buy a bag of groceries. But would they accept Bitcoin? An individual owner might if they're already into Bitcoin. But on the whole, no. Most people, you couldn't take it to Safeway, Kruger, uh, Piggly Wiggly, HEB, uh, whatever, you know, your grocery store is where you live, um, and say, hey, I've got Bitcoin or I've got Satoshis because I buy my groceries. No, you cannot. Um, and so would that work in Russia at the, whatever their local stores are? Probably not. But I mean, does, is, is, uh, the, the, you know, one of the points I wanted to make about this, which is a little bit off topic, but you know how they say an army uh, 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 what's it? crawls on its belly? Uh -huh. I don't know if that's exactly the quote, but basically the military crawls on its belly, which means if you can't feed and house and take care of your army, 
while it's out in the field, you don't have an army. <laughs> I mean, yes, soldiers can survive. They're trained to survive. But um, they will not fight very well if they're having to just survive. You know, having to go into houses and steal food out of the buildings that they're invading. It is a way of surviving. It's been done. Um, but uh, it's better to just have support. And the U.S. is really good at support when it comes to military activities. So our, our soldiers eat and sleep very well when they're not on duty. Um, and I, I'm not so sure this is true, because especially after the reading of that um, a dead Russian soldier's uh, mo uh, smartphone that they captured images from. Um, saying he didn't even know it was no longer a training exercise. You know, it was so sudden that he, he wasn't even aware of it. He didn't even want to be there. He, he was happy about doing the training exercise, not about going to war. Um, but uh, I, I don't think Put Putin's safe, right? He's probably got plenty of food. He'd probably get more food if he needs it. Um, but what about his army, right? Is his army supported? It's, it's weird to start a war in the modern day without just lobbing missiles from a, from a long ways away. If you can just throw bombs at somebody from, like the way the U.S. did with our UAWs, um, unmanned aerial, you know, UAVs, aerial vehicles, um, if you're just sending robots to do your dirty work, no one, no, no American soldier has to go into that location. Not to say that we didn't have people on the, on the ground in those locations that we were doing that, but... Um, yeah, you could just you just you're just sending robots to do your work and throwing bombs from the robots, and then all the people do the work at their home in their safe areas. So it's you know the robots the one who get it. But is Russia doing that? No, I don't even think Russia has any UAVs. So um, it's this to tie it back to what we we're we we're talking about is is Putin safe? Probably, but. You know, like I said before, the military runs on its belly, so it's it's like, how long can you sustain this? Are you just telling your people if they come back, they're going to die? Because that's what Russia did in World War II. <laughs> if you guys run, if you guys run away, we're going to shoot you. <laughs> so either get shot by them or get shot by us. Spurbank, Spurbank, yes. Spurbank. Russia. Yeah, Alyssa. <laughs> it, it is my my turn. Russia serving to leave the European markets. Stop laughing, John. I can hear you. <laughs> Written by Dimitar Sanzarov. As a result of the economic sanctions against Russia, the largest financial institution in the country, uh, Surbank, is what I'll call it, will reportedly withdraw from the European market. The organization says said its subsidiaries spread around Europe face large cash outflows while the safety of its employees is threatened. Interestingly, Surbank is one of the is one of the Russian banks that have displayed a pro-crypto stance over the past several months. Russia's economy seems to be taking a serious hit following the Western world's monetary penalties imposed on it. The cutoff from the global payment system, SWIFT among other financial bans, caused a significant crash of the ruble. The measures 
also started affecting giant banks like Surveying, according to a recent Reuters or yeah Reuters uh, report. The institution, yeah Reuters, Reuters. I always say that wrong. Uh, the institution will no longer supply liquidity to its European subdivisions. However, Surveying. Or Serbian Bank, ugh, I can't say that one either, asserted it's it has sufficient capital and asset quality to pay all uh, depositors. In the current situation, Surveying has decided to leave the European market. The group's subsidiary banks have faced abnormal cash outflows and uh, threats to the safety of its employees and branches, the bank stated. Earlier this week, the ECB ordered the closures of uh, suburb. I can't even say it. You can't say Spurbank. <laughs> yes, Spurbank. Because the B trips me up. Like, you have to say Spur. We talked about this earlier. Spur, like Sparrows, the pizza place. Just pronounce it the same way you pronounce yeah. Sparrows. Spur, Spurbank. <laughs> Spurbank warned European arm, warning it faced failure due to a run on deposits after Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, the bank has spread its operations to Austria, Germany, Croatia, Hungary, and other nations. Meanwhile, it has European assets worth over 14 billion. Nonetheless, Switzerland, which is not a part of the European Union, will not exclude Sberbank's operations on its territory. At the end of 2021, the leading bank created a blockchain exchange traded fund ETF tracking prominent companies in the cryptocurrency industry, such as Coinbase and Galaxy Digital. This became the first such product in Russia, enabling traders to uh, delve into the digital asset universe without purchasing, storing, or selling tokens. The fund called Spur Blockchain Economy trades under the ticker SBBE. It follows the Eponymous index developed by the bank's investment subsidiary, Thirty CIB. Uh, the latter consists of entities producing hardware and software for mining cryptocurrencies, and even companies that provide consulting services in the sector. Speaking on the matter was Evgeny. Evgeny. Evgeny Zaitsev. General Director of Sperbank, who noted that direct investments in Bitcoin or alternative coins are associated with high risk. As such, the product would allow people to invest not in cryptocurrencies but in companies that quote ensured the development of blockchain technologies and quote. Spurbank. 
it's Burbank. I was just thinking, it's, it, it's, there's a town in, you know, down in LA called Burbank, which is pretty close to it. So even if you just didn't pronounce it as spur, you could just call it Burr, you could just call it Burbank. Yeah, no one's really gonna hear, hear the S mispronounced anyways. Maybe it is to say that. Yeah, that's why I I was like, take your pick. It's Russia, Russia, and Russia. Oh, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine, Russia. Yet. Yeah. Ah, yet. Sposibo. Sposibo. Uh, Electric Tableau secures $1 billion to invest in early stage crypto projects created by Manny Williams. Here we go. Let's see. Blockchain Venture Free. Electric Tableau has raised $1 billion to back its seed and early stage startup in the crypto industry. Uh, according to Tuesday reports by Forbes, the latest capital uh, raise comprises uh, a $400 million equity fund closed last year and a $600 million token fund closed last month. Co founded in 2018 by Abby uh, Child projects with early stage venture capital. Commenting on the latest raise, the co-founder noted that Electric Capital has been actively involved in Web3 movement and is poised to provide project developers with the support and resources they need to push their projects to the center stage. We have spent the last four years building software and data systems that have enabled us to participate in Web3 ecosystems. We look forward to continuing to build the frontier on talent partners and protocols and create value. Nice reading. <laughs> I feel like it was yet another uh, word salad for uh, uh, word salad ad for Electric Capital. <clears throat> Probably should have been skipped. And to round out the last of our articles with CME Group to roll out micro-sized Bitcoin and Ethereum options by Martin Young. An easy name to pronounce, just like Mandy Williams. <laughs> 
In an announcement on March 1st, that was yesterday, CME Group outlined plans to launch options on micro Bitcoin and micro Ethereum futures on March 28th. The new products will offer a tenth of the exposure to the underlying assets, opening the investment products up to a wider market, which includes individual traders, not uh, you know people with too much money. The announcement added that these new options will complement the existing Bitcoin options contracts launched in 2020, sized at five Bitcoin, which is quite a bit of cash to a grand. A futures contract requires the investor to sell them on a specific date, whereas options grant an investor the right, but not the obligation, to buy or sell a particular at a particular price at any time. I like personally, I like options better. <clears throat> Additionally, the new options will allow traders to express long or short-term views on a choice of monthly, as well as Monday, Wednesday, and Friday weekly option experiences. It added, the CME Group offer, already offers micro futures for two leading crypto assets, but it is now adding flexibility in the options products. Global head of equity and FX products at the company, Tim McCord, commented that nearly 5.3 million micro BTC or and ETH futures contracts have been added, have been traded in less than a year before adding, quote, building on the strength and liquidity of the underlying contracts, our micro size options will enable traders of all sizes to efficiently hedge market moving events with greater precision and flexibility or fine tune their cryptocurrency market exposure, basically making it easier to get in with less money. John Harris, CEO of Acuna Digital Assets, said his firm believes that options on these contracts will, quote, allow existing market participants greater flexibility when seeking cost-efficient exposure, as well as opening the market to new participant participants who prefer more granular sizing. I guess he's basically just saying, people with not a lot of money can now do this. In November, Google's patent firm Alphabet invested $1 billion into the CME Group. CME Futures products are the only underlying contracts for all Securities and Exchange Commission approved Bitcoin ETFs in America to, to, pardon me, in America to date. That's a lot of words there, sorry. The U.S. regulator still refuses to greenlight a spot-based fund that will be backed by the physical asset itself. There has been mounting pressure from financial experts and even politicians, but the watchdog has remained resolute so far, citing that citing the usual investor protection excuses. A highly anticipated conversion to the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust into a spot ETP could be the first gain approval this year. I mean, first to gain approval this year. The $31 billion fund is currently trading at negative 24.45% discount in anticipation of this. Lots of people are going, please, 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 please do this. Those people. That's for the, uh, the, so it's basically the spot. No, no, no. The, uh, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is basically 25% off, right? Yeah, basically. There it is. There you go. Um, yeah, man. I should have got into this when I saw it first jump on. And I was like, that's cool. EBTC. And I saw it. Um, I didn't know what it was about. I didn't look into it. But it was like literally under a buck. Now, forget about it. Uh, there might be another one that comes along just because this is the only one that this is just the first one doesn't mean there won't be more of them so okay there's one more actually i want to uh read real quick let's see if i can find it uh, 
Hillary Clinton is disappointed that some crypto chains refuse to stop service in Russia. Okay. Um, I knew you were gonna read this one. <laughs> no, I'm not reading that one. It's this one. Here we go. AMC. AMC Theater CEO confirms the date when Doge. Finally, not a Russian news article. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> AMC Theaters CEO confirms the date when Dogecoin and Shiba Inu payments will be live by Jordan Lyonchev. After speculating and flirting with adding two largest and most popular meme coins as camp methods, AMC Theater CEO Adam Aaron said his company will do so by March 19th. Mobile users will be able to pay to utilize Shiba Inu and Dogecoin for payments in mid-April. AMC Theaters, among the largest movie chains theaters in the world, has interacted with the cryptocurrency space for a year or so by allowing clients to purchase tickets and other goods via Bitcoin, Ether, and other assets. However, many customers demanded the addition of two meme coins that went viral last year, Dogecoin and the self-proclaimed Doge Killer, Shiba Inu. Aram, Aram, seemed to have listened to his clients, but these prices appeared somewhat sluggish. At first, the firm adopted Dogecoin only for digital uh, gift cards and promised to do more later. In November last year, Aaron informed that the addition of Shiba Inu is next on the schedule, but the team requires some time to complete uh, the technical aspects, which, with all due respect, has to take time. I mean, if you're going to do this, do it right. Do it right the first time, right? Um, with a February 28th tweet, the company's CEO indicated that AMC has partnered with BitPay and will start accepting online payments with the two tokens on its website by March 19th. Mobile app users will be able to make such transfers by April 16th. And here is a tweet from Adam Aaron. Aaron. Uh, this might rev up the cryptocurrency fans amongst you. AMC IT says that BitPay will be live for AMC online payments on our website by March 19th and live for our mobile app by April 16th, possibly a few days earlier. Bit, BitPay and their, therefore soon AMC accepts Dogecoin and Shiba Inu. So, how many, have you guys even looked at how many, uh, you know, let's let's say the average price of a ticket to go to a movie is $12 per person, which I know could be cheaper on on, uh, on matinee, but let's just say $12 in Doge is about 90 Doge. $12 in Shiba Inu is 500,000 Shiba Inu. So if you got a half a million Shiba Inu, you can buy a ticket for an AMC theater. And obviously it depends on what part of the country you're in and or what country you're in, period. Um, but, I mean, matinee when I was a kid was two bucks. <laughs> matinee is not not nearly as cheap as it used to be. Or to make it to make it to a smaller number. Isn't Shiba Inu Shiba Inu is not POW, it's POS, right? Yeah. Oh, 
Well, we appreciate if you've made it this far, we're an hour plus into the podcast, like uh, John's always rushing us out because he's tired and wants to go to bed. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if uh, you've made it this far, we'd appreciate from you a thumbs up, a like on uh, YouTube and um, any other format that has an ability to like that. If I don't even know if Anchor does that. Um, we post every Wednesday and Sunday. Tonight is Wednesday. And... Uh, you can check it out on YouTube. You can also get in on the Discord where there's always lots of things to talk about, lots of coins to discuss. And, of course, you guys can get us there. You can also get us on Twitter if you want. Um, I know I'm not mentioning the Twitter handles, but they are in the links. Uh, you can get us on Patreon and or donate via Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance, Bat, or Raven. All that information is in our coin tree in the description below. We should do our, our episodes in Hex. Ha ha ha.